ghoulish greetings. Thanks so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes you just heard are, as always, courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Rudolph Valentino, the Latin lover, women from all over adored him, loved him, drooled and swooned and fantasized over him in life, and in death they mourned him like they would if they lost their own husband. Many would even commit suicide as news traveled about his untimely death in 1926. And at the time of his death, the Latin lover was only 31 years old. August 15th, while at the Hotel Ambassador in Manhattan, Valentino collapses. While at the hospital, he receives an upsetting diagnosis, appendicitis accompanied with gastric ulcers. He immediately goes into surgery, and shortly afterwards, he develops peritonitis. Less than a week later, Valentino's condition goes from bad to worse. Now, It's obvious to the team of doctors that Rudolph Valentino is in trouble and that it won't be long until he succumbs. They choose to keep this disturbing information between themselves and not to share the extremely upsetting and devastating news with this now-dying man. Meanwhile, the gravely ill man thinks that he will be okay and that he will make a full yet long recovery. He even discusses his future with the doctors, something that just sadly was not meant to be. The day is now August 23rd. Valentino is awake and talking to his team of doctors, but shortly afterwards, he falls into a coma. He never awakens. He dies a few short hours later. The doctors confirm that the Latin lover contracted sepsis. Mr. Rudolph Valentino singing the famous L. In Spanish. It's reported that over 100,000 people lined the streets of Manhattan to mourn and pay the respects to the man that stole so many hearts and responsible for women even fainting at the sight of him. It is during this procession that a riot takes place, and well over 100 officers have to break it up. After the funeral in Manhattan, Valentino's remains are then put onto a train and he is transferred from the East Coast to the West Coast, where his second funeral, his final funeral, takes place. You know, 31 years old, he died rather young and quite unexpectedly. He, He had no plans when it came to final resting places. 31 years old, you don't think you're gonna have to go through that kind of thing, but... You know, I guess it's never a bad idea to do so, no matter what age you are. A good friend of his, screenwriter June Mathis, who at the time was the highest paid executive in Hollywood, happened to have an empty crypt 
at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. While she was married, she had bought the crypt for her and her then-husband, but they got a divorce and it remained vacant. And no one was using it, so why not? She offers the crypt for Valentino to temporarily be put into, and he would stay there until they could figure out a more permanent situation for the Latin lover. Well, the following year, June Mathis herself dies and is buried next to Rudolph Valentino. And it is here that he remains with June to this very day. So, not so temporary. I have been to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery before, and it's just so incredibly beautiful. In fact, every time I go to California to visit family, I always have to go to those burial grounds and visit people like Estelle Getty. Chris Cornell, Hitchcock, Vampira, and yes, Valentino. I mean, every time we go, we see peacocks wandering throughout the graves, these beautiful white morning doves, these beautiful ducks and geese and swans. I mean, it's just a really neat place to go to. So I always recommend going to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, for sure, if you're in the area. Every year on the anniversary of Valentino's death, a lady in black would visit his grave, always with a red single rose in her hand. While no one knows for certain who this woman was, many believe it to be Dietra Flame. Now, a year before his death in 1925, Rudolph had a dear friend who was going through a scary time. His daughter, who was very young, was sick, and it was believed that she most likely would not survive her illness. Valentino, he goes and he visits the ailing girl. In his hand, a red rose. With the flower, he gives the girl encouraging and motivating words. He tells her that she will recover. You're not going to die at all. You will outlive me by many years. But one thing's for sure, if I die before you do, you please come and stay by me because I don't want to be alone either. You come and talk to me. The following year, the young girl has made a full recovery and Valentino passes away. Dietra Flame shares this. I saw Rudolph Valentino for the first time when I was 14. He was living in a rooming house in Los Angeles. He left a lasting impression upon me, which was later evident when I was in a Pasadena hospital some time later. Now, it's said that for 30 years, she kept the tradition, visiting and gifting him with a single red rose. She would wear a long veil over her face. Dietra stops tradition after several other women wanting the attention and the publicity of their own. They start copying her. There were so many other women dressed in black coming in, kneeling at his tomb, and it just got too much for me. While it's not proven, but believed that Flame is the lady in black, the first lady in black was Valentino's lover, sex symbol Pola Negri, who 
signed with Paramount in 1922, making her the first European actress in history to be contracted by Hollywood. She claimed that for the rest of her life, that Valentino was the love of her life, even after she married someone nine months after his untimely death. Pola Negri was the first woman to wear black at Valentino's tomb. Over a black dress, she wore a draped coat and a black turban with a veil. I saw her collapse on the steps of the Hollywood Mausoleum in September of 1926. Her grief was unmistakable. So, okay, I had seen that she actually had collapsed and fainted several times throughout the process of the funerals, and many believe that she was doing this for publicity purposes. Now, who knows if that's true? I would really hope that that wasn't true, but who knows? Now, there is a curse that is connected to Rudolph Valentino, and let's hit the rewind button real quick, shall we? While in San Francisco, Valentino finds a beautiful, mesmerizing piece of jewelry, a gorgeous tiger's eye crystal ring, better known as the Destiny Ring. From the moment that he saw that ring, he knew it was meant to be. He had to have it. He needed it. He craved it. He loved it. But the shopkeeper, he was rather hesitant. He had no intentions on selling it. I don't care if you're a movie star. I don't care if the gals love you. I just, I do not want to sell this ring. And that should have spoken volumes, seeing that, like, you know, that would be a lot of back then, especially shopkeepers and people's dreams it's like okay this famous person is in here he's gonna spend a crap load of money on a ring hell yeah let's throw it in a bag call it a day and hit the bricks I have a lot more money than I did a few minutes ago but that wasn't the case he was very concerned and he showed it he warns Valentino that this ring is cursed it goes in one ear, right out the other, you guys. He ignores the warning and immediately buys the ring, much to the poor shopkeeper's dismay. Now, I am unsure of the events that occurred prior to Valentino purchasing the Destiny ring that made it believed to be cursed. Obviously, several things must have happened surrounding that ring, but I don't know what that is. But it is known that once in the young Latin lover's possession... It did not take long for bad things to start taking place. He proudly wears the ring during the filming of his movie, The Young Raja. This movie would prove to be his only flop. It's after his following movie, the premiere actually, that he dies. Now after his death, the ring is passed on to Pola Negri, his very much in mourning girlfriend. Shortly after, she gets very sick and her time in Hollywood expires. She's never in a movie again. Now, unlike the late Valentino, she does believe that the jewelry is cursed and hands it off to Russ Colombo. Once the ring is gone, she eventually makes a full recovery. She actually lives a nice long life, dying in 1987 at the age of 90. So... Not too bad. She escapes the curse. 
Well, I guess a more appropriate way to say it is she lived and survived the curse that way. But she did lose her true love or, you know, somebody she cared for a lot, Valentino, and then never in Hollywood movies again. So there we go. Now, again, once the ring's gone, she makes a full recovery. But days after Columbo is given the ring, he will be dead. The day is September 2nd, the year 1934. Now, it starts off as a normal day for Columbo, nothing out of the ordinary. He starts the evening with a nice romantic dinner with his girlfriend, Carol Lombard. He then heads over to hang out with his photographer friend, Lansing Brown. Now, photography was his passion, and he had served in the military during the Second World War as a photography instructor. Another passion he had was antique firearms. He had quite an impressive collection, so Colombo and Brown were there checking out and admiring the collection. Everything is fine until the worst thing possible happens. Lansing Brown describes what takes place. I was absent-mindedly fooling around with one of the guns. It was a dueling design and works with a cap and a trigger. I was pulling back the trigger and clicking it time after time. I had a match in my hand, and when I clicked, apparently the match caught in between the hammer and the firing pin. There was an explosion, and rust slid to the side of the chair. So what happened was excruciatingly a huge heartbreaking accident. The ball ricochets off a table that was nearby and hits Columbo right above his eye. Death is not instantaneous. In a desperate life-saving move, the doctors attempt to remove the ball from the singer's brain, but he dies just six hours later, dead at 26, and only days after getting the ring. The death was investigated, and the end result? Truly an accident. There was no intent to kill. There was no premeditated plan. I mean, this was not murder. This was a 100% nightmare of an accident. I could only imagine what this man went through. And he was remembered for this, for the taking of Columbo's life. Accident or not, the man was dead. Lansing Brown felt horrible. Columbo's death changed him forever. It affected him, and understandably so. At the time of his death, and this is where it kind of gets really interesting, his mother, she was in the hospital herself. She had suffered a heart attack. Her family feared that if she was told about her son's death, again, at 26 years old, her already frail and fragile condition would worsen, and she could possibly die as well. The family decides to withhold the news of the accidental death of her son, Russ Colombo, and she actually lives another 10 years. And believe it or not, for the rest of her life on Earth, again, 10 whole years, she thought her son was still alive often receiving letters from the deceased Russ that her family would write to her. 
Now it's Joe Casino's turn for the ring, another good friend of Valentino. He puts the ring on display, and there it stays for some time. No bad luck, no deaths, nothing bad happens. He thinks that this is a sign that there is, in fact, no silly curse, and he decides to wear the ring. Just days later, he is hit by a truck, and he dies. Dell, Joe's brother, takes control of the ring and puts it under lock and key in his home, where it remains untouched, where everything is fine and dandy, until one day when a thief named James Willis breaks into Dell's home and he pockets the ring. The alarm system is yelling erratically, as they most often do when something's happening, and the police are there soon. Willis makes his getaway. The cops fire a warning shot, and he ends up getting hit, and he dies from that wound. The ring is still in his pocket. Fast forward some time later, and a movie is being made about Valentino. The director, Edward Small, he buys the ring. Yes, the very one and the same cursed ring for the actor portraying Valentino named Jack Dunn to wear while in the movie. Jack Dunn, he was healthy at the time of the filming of the movie. He wears the ring in preparation, and he dies two weeks later due to an extremely rare blood disorder called tularemia. He contracts it after handling a dead rabbit while on a hunting trip. For a long time, the Destiny ring had been safely locked up in the vault in a bank, protected from causing further harm. Since then, it has been believed to be sold at an auction. The ring's whereabouts are unknown to this very day. Who knows what havoc it wreaks now. It's said that the apparition of Rudolph Valentino has been seen wandering about Hollywood Forever Cemetery, pacing restlessly about. Many believe he is searching for his ring. So next time you're at Hollywood forever, and you see a strikingly handsome, devastatingly gorgeous Latin man. That may just be the Latin lover, Rudolph Valentino, searching for his cursed destiny ring. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They're all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Blueberry, Spotify, Player FM, Deezer. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Sheboygan, Wisconsin, American Canyon, California, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Odenarde, Belgium, and Richland, Washington. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. It is greatly appreciated. Please be sure to check back in next Monday for the newest and freshest of episodes. And we will see you next week.